Hi, it's Bill Radke with KUOW's coverage of the 2015 local elections. If you're in Seattle, you have decisions to make. You're electing two citywide council members, and Seattle has just divided itself into districts, seven new districts. So you've got to choose your local city representative as well. In this conversation, you're going to hear from the candidates for one of the two citywide seats. It's position eight. Tim Burgess is currently the Seattle City Council president. He's running for a third term. His challenger, John Grant, is the former leader of the Tenants Union of Washington State. John Grant, you have said that the most change your campaign could make is to replace a candidate who doesn't share the values of Seattle. What are Seattle's values and who doesn't share them? Well, I think that we have an incredible opportunity right now to have a progressive majority on the Seattle City Council. And the reason that we switched to a district system is that I think folks are, you know, voters are kind of tired of the moderation that we've seen on Seattle City Council. Um, So, you know, for me, this is a, a referendum on the folks who have been there. That's why all nine seats are up right now. And I decided to run against my opponent because we have often been at opposite ends of this debate. Um, whether it's affordable housing or police accountability, these are all critical issues that people want to see greater change in. And we've had the highest rents in the nation, the highest rent increases in the nation. And also uh, there were over 200 counts of uh, excessive force by the uh, Department of Justice, and not a single one of those officers have been shot. So when I say, you know, we need to have a more progressive Seattle City Council, I think that, you know, voters are ready for bolder action, for true reform, and want to see the, the dial moving on those things. Bolder action, affordability, police. Tim Burgess, what do you want to say about your Seattle values? I think my values are very consistent with the people of Seattle, and we do have a progressive city council. We led the nation on the minimum wage Um on paid sick leave for every employee in the city. And, you know, my opponent, John, has done a good job on advocating for tenants over the years, and he's very passionate about that. But we have very different styles in our approach to governing. And, you know, I favor collaboration and bringing people together to get good things done. And I think the support my campaign has, a broad array of uh, citizens and leaders in our city show that uh, I'm able to do that. And that's why I'm running for re-election. Well, let's talk about that difference uh, between your collaboration versus a more outsider approach. The example one that comes to mind is affordable housing, where the city reached this grand bargain with developers. And so you were a part of that. You didn't support every single part of it. But uh, John Grant, you uh, very notably came out against the bargain. Why did you not favor a more collaborative approach that Tim Burgess just described? Well, actually, that's not quite right. I did not oppose the grand bargain. What I said is that it did not go far enough. So I, when I, I was actually on the mayor's committee of 28 members, and I abstained. And here's the thing. You know, we had an opportunity to potentially bring in $1.2 billion in developer fees for affordable housing. And what the grand bargain was, it was a bargain with developers. And I would have liked to have seen a bargain with the community. There are folks out there that are really feeling the pinch of our affordable housing crisis. And the bargain that we got, the value of that deal was closer to around $640 million. So in effect, we left hundreds of millions of dollars on the table from private developers that could have gone towards affordable housing. And I just don't see what the problem is by saying, you know, we should do more. We can do more to solve our affordable housing crisis. And if, you know, in terms of uh, collaboration, I mean, there was over half the committee uh, of the mayor's affordable housing task force representing the interest of private developers. I mean, 
you know, when you go, when I go to these community meetings and I ask people to raise their hand, you know, raise your hand if you're a developer or if you're a homeowner or if you're a tenant. No one's raising their hand to saying that they're a developer. So why is that committee overrepresented with the private sector's interests? And I think that's why we need somebody on city council to push the envelope. And I've passed legislation at the federal level, at the state level, and at the city level. I know how to get things done. I've actually passed a bill in 2013 through a Republican Senate. So I think that I know what it takes to collaborate, but also stay true to your principles and hold your line and demand for more. Tim Burgess, I want to hear about uh, collaboration, but first, why didn't you ask developers for more? Well, we did, and we. Why didn't you push them to <laughs> to answer you? Yes. So I think this is a, is the perfect illustration of what this campaign is all about: collaboration versus conflict. So John was one of the twenty eight members of that uh, committee that put together the recommendations for affordable housing in Seattle, and those recommendations are sweeping change for how our city. Uh, addresses affordable housing. And that's why not only the business community and developers, but our social justice advocates, labor unions, community groups, neighborhood activists, environmentalists have all come together in support of the grand bargain. Councilmember Mike O'Brien and I, who were the leaders on the commercial linkage fee, changed our position because we realized through the recommendations that Mayor Murray sent the city council, we're going to actually produce more affordable housing in our city. Even the stranger last week wrote about what a good deal this is and why so many people are supporting it from a wide uh, array of interests from developers to social justice advocates in our city have come around these proposals and are supporting them because it's going to move the needle and actually make a difference for affordable housing. And I think that illustrates why this election is so important. We want to elect people to the city council who share our values, but also know how to work with others to get good things done. And I think that's what my track record on the council has shown, and that's what I want to continue to do. So if, if I could push back on that just for a moment, you know, I, I think that this is exactly the kind of thing that voters are tired of hearing. Politicians saying, you know what, we came to this compromise and that should be good enough for you and you should accept it. You know, if you look at other cities, for example, Chicago, they went through a similar process around affordable housing. And they said to developers, 20% of your units that you build have to be affordable to working class people. The grand compromise for what we got was 7%. So you can't tell me that, you know, the goal of good public policy is to come to compromise. The goal of public policy is to solve problems. And we are facing an incredible affordable housing crisis. And that means we need to actually demand more from the private sector. Now, all those people who came together and said, you know what, we think the mayor's proposal is good. It's a grand bargain. Let's move it forward. Do you think that the affordable housing advocates would say, you know what? Uh, we don't want to set that goal at 20% for affordable housing. I think that people would come together and say, yes, let's have a compromise that asks for more. But we never had a city council that was willing to push the envelope. And I think that that is part of the problem. People are tired of politicians coming in and saying, you know what, uh, here's what we're going to do. It's not exactly going to solve the problem, but it's the best political deal that we could get. This is why Seattle voters are voting for nine new city council members. We need an elect a progressive city council that will hold developers accountable, make them pay, pay their fair share, because we are in that, that crisis. And this is the, the urgency that people are feeling out in the community that is not being felt in City Hall. So, Tim, how do you convince voters that 
you asked for more. You got this compromise. This was the most you could get. Is, is the Chicago comparison fair? No, it's not fair. So we decided in Seattle that we were going to aim lower in terms of affordability. In other words, we wanted 6,000 of the 20,000 affordable units to go to people earning 60% of area median income or less. Some of our surrounding cities allow that to go to 80%, and so they have a higher set-aside. I think what the facts are is look at who is supporting the grand bargain, from Mayor Murray to a strong majority of the city council, and the people who are the housing advocates, affordable housing advocates in our city and have been for decades, and the social justice uh, organizations and labor unions, they would not be sitting on the sideline and saying, well, we just had to take whatever they offered. They, these, are, these are respected, well, um, well-connected individuals who know what our city needs. And so, you know, Mayor Murray, as he has told us, made a decision to go with what would actually move the needle the most and create the most affordable housing units. And so that's where we're at, and that's what the council is going to be dealing with over the next several months. Okay, let's talk about some other things, too. Uh, John Grant, you've called for the city to spend some money, to spend city money, to spend taxpayer money, and we have some money in this city. But what if our boom times end? Where is your fiscal prudence? So, I mean, I think that um, one of the big problems that we see with city government is an over-reliance of levies. Um, and what I would like to see is for the private sector to actually pay more. You know, one of the big issues that the city is facing is that we have over a $2 billion backlog in transportation maintenance. Now, this is something that I think that should not just be borne through, uh, you know, levies and things like this. Because a levy, you know, it's one of the more regressive ways to pay for things. If you are a homeowner on a fixed income, I mean, you you know, if your taxes go up, there's it's really no way for you to, you know, uh, kind of bear that burden, so to speak. So what, uh, what I would like to see is to bring back um, an employee hours tax so that we see private companies paying more towards uh, inf- uh, our infrastructure costs. We had an employee hours tax in 2009 that my opponent, Tim Burgess, repealed. And I think that that speaks towards uh, how much influence the Chamber of Commerce has on his policy decisions. I would like to bring back the employee hours tax so it's not just levy after levy after levy you have to pay for our infrastructure needs so that the private sector is paying for uh, the, tr- the transit ba- maintenance backlog that we are now seeing. You know, people are upset about this $930 million move Seattle levy. I'm going to vote for it because we just simply have so much need for our transit infrastructure to be repaired. But the reason the levy is that big is because we cut uh, some of these other taxes from the private sector to pay for it. And now we're having to make up for it. Tim Burgess, why not make the private sector pay more? It's flush times. Well, the private sector does pay. When we pass property tax levies, uh, People like myself and others who own a home, we pay, but so do people who own commercial buildings, uh, um, apartment buildings, hotels, office buildings. Those people pay as well. So, you know, that everybody pays the property tax, whoever owns property. But, Bill, your question is, is a good one because Washington's tax system is very regressive. It's terrible. We live with these levies because of Tim Iman and what the voters of Washington State said about how we raise the property tax. But, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, I would shift to a income tax where individuals pay based on their household income. And we would uh, 
lower the property tax dramatically and and rely on uh, the income tax. But that's going to take a change in Olympia. So we live with what we have. But city government actually is quite fiscally conservative. And that's why we have been able to protect our bond ratings over the years. We have the highest possible bond ratings, which means we pay less interest on money that we borrow. Uh, So fiscally, the city government is in very good shape. So I I just take issue with this idea that we can just punt this to the state and say that we need a state income tax. Everyone agrees, in Seattle anyways, that we need a state income tax. But my opponent had an opportunity to have um, a progressive revenue source by having companies pay through an employee hours tax. And rather than expanding it, he repealed it in 2009. So when we talk about um, having more progressive revenue sources, we need to look at what we actually have control here in Seattle. And I just think that it's a real problem if uh, we have folks at City Hall who you know, are calling for a state income tax, but when it comes to decisions that are actually within their control, are repealing progressive tax measures like the employee hours tax. And as a result, you know, we all have to pay for these greater uh, you know, uh, public transportation levies. This is the kind of uh, ledger domain that people are really frustrated with out in uh, in the community. And I think that what we want to see is, you know, greater uh, infrastructure uh, investments that give us rapid ride buses, uh, expand light rail and do those kinds of things to have a a world class public transportation system. But we can never get there if the only way that we pay for those things is through levies. What was wrong with the employee hours tax? Employee hours tax was very complicated, very difficult for companies to comply. The city tax authorities said it was very difficult for them. And uh, at the height of the Great Recession, we repealed that tax. And I've talked about bringing that tax back if it is uh, specifically allocated for congestion relief related to transportation. But this idea that the city council somehow doesn't tax the private sector is ridiculous. I mean, we we impose our business and occupation tax. We have imposed transit fees and taxes to pay for more transportation. And again, this, this idea that we're going to make demagogues of some people in our city because they happen to be business owners, I think is just ridiculous. And uh, doesn't move the ball and doesn't solve problems. So for me, the voter, do you both accept that my choice is between Tim Burgess incumbent compromise, collaborate, get what you can, and John Grant challenger push for more, defy the establishment. Do you both accept that? I think that's a great framing. And, you know, I, I don't think we need another ideologically driven uh, mouthpiece on the city council. So, um, like I said, I have pushed public policy at the federal level, at the state level. I passed a bill through a Republican Senate. And, you know, my opponent has, last time I checked, has not had to negotiate re- with Republicans on city council. And, I mean, unless you count the, you know, the campaign contributions he made to John McCain and Rob McKenna. I mean, these are the real issues that people are facing. And there is a true urgency out in the community to address these issues. And you need the leaders on the city council to lean into those interests. There's over a half million dollars from the Chamber of Commerce, downtown developers, and, and landlord groups just pouring into this race to reelect my opponent. 
And I think we need somebody on city council who will be independent from those special interests and push back against them and demand more for the community. And also labor unions and community activists and social justice groups. I mean, I'm very proud of the support that my campaign has received. Uh, I've got three times as many individual donors as my opponent does. They come from a wide spectrum of interests and beliefs in our city, and they're supporting me because they know my track record. They know that I'm going to take a reasoned approach to public policy that I'm going to get things done, like our preschool measure last year, like the gun violence tax, like paid sick leave for the workers of our city, and on and on. So, uh, you know, John can attack people and, and try to tear them down. That's fine. But my campaign is about getting good things done for the people of Seattle and continuing uh, the work that I've done on the council. Did I hear you disagreeing about the value of or the danger of having a council member who very strongly disagrees with his or her colleagues? Is that a difference between the two of you that you want the voter to decide on? Well, I, I think that uh, my opponent tries to paint me as an obstructionist. But as I've pointed out before, I've passed legislation at all levels of government. I know how to work with the other, size, other side and actually come to compromises. Um, one of the things that I'm most proud of is the rental inspection ordinance, uh, which is a law that requires landlords to make sure that their properties are healthy and safe for renters. That was something that I worked uh, with the landlord industry in collaboration with them, and we got a bill through in 2012 that's going into effect this year. And I think that um, you know my history as an advocate at the Tenants Union and my long record of passing public policy demonstrates that I know how to collaborate. But the problem is, again, it's who you're beholden to. I've taken a pledge not to accept any contributions from developers, landlords, or the Chamber of Commerce, because I want voters to know that when it comes down to my principles, I will always uphold the interest of this community. And we saw that in effect in the recent uh, uh, debacle with Triad, who were trying to essentially bribe me to uh, benefit uh, them to have their private gain. And I said no. And I went to the public and I went to the press and said, I'm not going to let you guys do this. I'm not going to let you manipulate our democracy for your private gain. And that is exactly the kind of ethical standards that you can expect from me if sitting on, on city council. Tim, what can we expect from you? You can expect the same thing that you've seen over the last eight years, bringing people together to get things done for our community, for our region and doing that in a way that uh, brings people together so that we move the ball and actually make a difference rather than just rhetoric and promises, actually doing things. And, uh, you know, I, if you look at my record on the council, that's exactly what I've done and that's exactly what I'll continue to do. I give John the first word. I'll give Tim the last word. Position eight, citywide, John Grant, Tim Burgess. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. That's current City Council President Tim Burgess and challenger John Grant. They are running for Seattle Council Position 8, one of two citywide seats on the council. Good luck with your decision. I'm Bill Radke.